In this episode, we will talk to Kiran R. Kiran brings more than 14 years of experience in building high-performance data science teams and has a track record of delivering business impact in both B2B as well as B2C companies. He is currently leading the Data Science Center of Excellence at VMware. Kiran was one of the early Kagglers from India and has inspired and mentored the next generation of data scientists coming from India. Let us listen to the journey of this inspirational leader and how he goes about building data science teams in this episode. So thanks, Kiran, for taking time out for uh, Data Hack Radio. It's a pleasure to have you here. As I said, your session at Data Hack Summit was really uh, well received by the community, and I'm sure the community can learn even more from you. So as a first step, can you tell us briefly about yourself, your experience till now, what, uh, what did you study, how did you get into analytics and in various types of roles which you have taken till now? Yeah, sure. Uh, so my current uh, uh, role, uh, Kunal, I lead, the, I lead the data sciences COE for VMware. So my official title is a director of data sciences at VMware. And I've been in this role for the last almost four years at VMware. Yeah. So my role at uh, VMware involves uh, managing a team of uh, data scientists that work across uh, across all the possible verticals at VMware, mm-hmm. uh, which is sales, marketing, pricing, partner uh, services, uh, and support. You know, digital, uh, online store, professional services, everything. So we are uh, actually structured. Uh, uh, in the CFO CEO organization, so the data sciences that we do mm-hmm. is the data sciences to support the business different business groups. So our output is usually like a scored list of uh, uh, of customers or uh, leads or email IDs, or they could be uh, if it's not a list, it, it could be some uh, uh, numbers corresponding to revenue or other stuff. Sure. So so that's my role at uh, VMware. Mm-hmm. Uh, prior to VMware, uh, I have actually uh, led the data sciences and analytics teams at uh, Flipkart at Amazon, at Dell. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I started off my career as a software engineer, uh, you know, uh, working in Motorola, uh, writing all the C, C++ code for the protocol model of multimedia messaging service in the early 2000s, 2002 to 2004 to be exact. Mm-hmm. Uh, so post uh, a couple of science engineering degree and working in Motorola, I uh, went to pursue my higher studies. Uh, I did my post-graduation in management at the Indian Institute of Management, Code. I joined Dell when it was setting up uh, their analytics center uh, in, 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 in Bangalore, mm-hmm. and uh, I joined the e-business analytics group. And uh, I started out by working on a lot of Omniture, Excel, SQL, and also developed a keen interest in SaaS to build propensity models. So I got certified in SaaS and, uh, uh, you know, use SaaS for propensity models and data mining and data sciences. And what, what year was this? This was in 2007-8. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I also wanted to do some uh, freelancing. And then I you know SaaS being proprietary, you could not do it. So I took up to R in very early in 2009-10. Okay. And, uh, and, and, then, and then used to do it, to use it for some freelancing work and finally on the job as well. So uh, I used data mining and propensity models to solve a lot of problems at uh, Dell. And uh, one of the work on uh, marketing attribution actually got Innovator of the Year Award from Michael Dell in person in 2012. Wow. I also had uh, my own proprietorship, which I ran on the site called Chaotic Experiments. So I also used to participate on Kaggle under that name. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what happened is Kaggle in 2011-12, they allowed their top competitors. I was uh, 
ranked seven for a year in 2013 14 right. and uh, to to participate in some freelancing competitions freelancing work for us startups so mm-hmm. i had wished to work in some startups uh, you know freelancing for them uh, doing our python mm-hmm. uh, and uh, and after dell joined amazon uh, in their affiliates analytics group, then joined Flipkart and uh, where I did marketing and customer analytics and data sciences. So my background has been, uh, you know, in this industry for the last 12, 13 years. And the journey has been, uh, you know, post MBA, getting into analytics and data sciences kind of accidental, I say, because uh, yeah. those days not many people knew about it. But then once I got in, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I developed a very keen interest in it because, uh, uh, you know, when I took to SAS, I remember telling that uh, see, see all the statements end with a semicolon. SAS also liked because it ended with a semicolon. Mm-hmm. And I always used to feel that, uh, you know, post-management degree, I might lose my, uh, you know, would very likely lose my technical skills. So I was looking for a job which was techno-functional, techno-business, and analytics fitted mm-hmm. very, really well. Interesting. Yeah, in fact, that was what I was uh, going to ask you next, because it's a very unconventional choice to, uh, or at least at that time, it would have been very unconventional to take up an analytics role post your uh, MBA days. So uh, interesting. And any specific uh, uh, industry uh, or uh, alternate options you looked at uh, before kind of uh, delving into analytics at that time? Yeah, see, what happened was... uh, you know, I had done my summer internship when I was doing uh, my my MBA, right, at IMK. Mm-hmm. And like you know, a lot of the companies uh, will be for sales roles, marketing roles, yeah. finance roles, investment banks, consulting, etc. So I happened to do my uh, summer internship uh, in pre-sales. And, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, I did it for a couple of months and figured out that it was a lot of copy-paste work, nothing creating. Mm-hmm. Not creating anything. I was always this kind of guy who wanted to create something, right? So right. create something, do something, and uh, and I felt that you know this copy pasting stuff would not be the right kind of role. So I didn't actually take up uh, that kind of option. Sure. And uh, and also uh, you know even when I actually ventured out to do my management post graduation, I was in two minds at given gate at given cat as well, mm-hmm. and I was kind of uh, you know, choosing between IIT Bombay for M Tech and I am Kori Kori and indoor for. Uh, uh, for MBA degree, mm-hmm. and while I did well in my MBA course, I think I was among the top five in the batch. Mm-hmm. I did I did well at IMK, uh, but but I always uh, you know wanted to do some programming or create something. So analytics fitted in mm-hmm. well at that mm-hmm. time. Yeah. Interesting, interesting. And uh, uh, so you said you started uh, doing Kaggle again in very early days because 2011, 2012. Yeah, 2011, Kaggle. 2012 is when I really started doing Kaggle. Uh, mm-hmm. You know. Uh, around 2011-12, around that period. Right. So I was one of the uh, early participants uh, on, on that forum. Right. And how did you come across Kaggle? How did that start? And then which was the, which were some of the early competitions you used? Because at that time uh, in India, I don't think there would have been many Kagglers around. Yeah. So, uh, so in th- those days, uh, with the, one of the competitions, uh, no, uh, so at Kaggle, uh, the way I came, uh, I always wanted to test my skills and see how good they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so I was very, very fascinated by this concept that somebody would share a data set. Mm-hmm. You could build models on the data set, and then they would tell you how accurate your models are. Mm-hmm. And uh, you could stack rank yourself against other people who are, uh, uh, you know, who, who are similarly 
uh, interested. And, uh, and there always used to be these post-competition forums where people share their methods and then say how they perform. One of the early competitions I participated in was Amazon Employee Access Competition. Uh, and even before that, I think it was the Merck competition. And, and, and in, the, uh, in these competitions, uh, uh, you, you know, the, it was all classification problem uh, initially, mm-hmm. and uh, you know the the way I would approach all these problems is to first build a diverse set of models. Like one I always used to build was a linear model, mm-hmm. which would be like a regularized logistic regression. The mm-hmm. GM net in R to be very specific. Then try a random forest, uh, try a gradient boosting machine, and uh, and then ensemble the results. So the early competitions uh, that I participated in, uh, they were all uh, like uh, you know the early ones like the Merck competition. Then there was there was, there was one hackathon I remember uh, to predict the online music uh, for which user. And you know, I tried a lot of techniques uh, in these competitions. I actually have a very big code repository in my house that I use for all these okay. competitions. And I think I have tried almost all the techniques on Cran.R project, but mm-hmm. ORG, and then you know, uh, then tried all of this stuff. Yeah. Oh, wow, interesting, interesting. So and, Amazon, and you know, the fun part I always liked about this competition is right. Uh, see, the competitions were the Amazon Employee Access Competition. I remember mm-hmm. that I finished uh, in the top five, mm-hmm. and the difference between the first and the fifth was like uh, I, I think I got like some point nine two one as an area mm-hmm. under curve. I think, and mm-hmm. uh, the winner got like point nine two three. So yeah. I think it's not on the top position by 0.002. Okay. okay. And, uh, and then, you know, these kinds of things. I also met some very interesting people mm-hmm. uh, on Kaggle. And uh, for example, Gilberto, right, uh, right. Who, who then who actually went on to be the number one Kaggle player. Mm-hmm. I stopped Kaggle in 2014 or so, but uh, Gilberto actually went on to be the number one player. So whenever mm-hmm. I when I visited Palo Alto last, I actually met up with Gilberto. He's now working. He's now there. Lucas Yustak here became a good friend. I made some very good friends there, like Owen Zhang, yeah. uh, Alexander Larko, all of these guys, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, so so it was uh, Kaggle was a lot of fun, and I would say, right, it kind of uh, pushes pushed me to try new techniques because mm-hmm. what happens is uh, in even today, the problem mm-hmm. in the uh, one of the things in the industry is that right uh, is that people uh, even today I think uh, not not possibly in the company where I am working uh, you mm-hmm. know we try a lot of advanced techniques but uh, they try decision, in those days it used to be decision trees and logistic regression yeah. so somebody will do something in SAS right and if you look at the code you know you'll see that they've just done a proc SQL join two data sets and then run a proc logistic in SAS Correct. so you know the thing is that uh, Kaggle actually provided the playground to try different techniques like mm-hmm. how about ensembling right uh, mm-hmm. ensembling using averages building a second layer model on top of a first layer model going mm-hmm. and tweaking the random forest code to get better results so uh, these competitions in a way push you to uh, go after last mile accuracy mm-hmm. now, last mile accuracy is not something uh, you know uh, so something that's so focused on in the industry so right. so i think you know kaggle kind of you know pushed me into trying out new techniques because the leaderboard is addictive you want yeah. to climb it you know <laughs> and that creates the problems and to their point i think uh, you know what uh, I think on in uh, there was uh, I was one of the first people from India. Definitely, there's be one more person. I don't remember his name. Uh, you know, he used to be out of Delhi, but uh, I've not seen him active since 2012. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
but uh, yeah uh, but i think you know uh, getting the grandmaster tag on kagal everything right was very yeah, yeah. Uh, very very fascinating yeah right was that good bole by by any chance i think he was one of the early kaglers as well uh, there was uh, one more person it's not good bole sure. because he, okay. because there was a shashi shekar good bole i remember yeah. mm-hmm. uh, he used to be there but uh, he didn't like see i'm saying that uh, the people actually were in the top 10 of kagal okay. okay yeah okay. so i don't think uh, good bole maybe uh, good bole was an extremely good player mm-hmm. but i don't think he passed in as many competitions uh, there was one more person uh, mm-hmm. i can actually find him on linkedin because we and he had exchanged some bots sure. you know <laughs> so, so so i think he he had reached the top 10 before me and i okay. think i reached after him or something mm-hmm. yeah. sure sure interesting and uh, you know in this journey while you were uh, on one side participating in competitions on the other side you were looking at industry how much uh, uh, you know uh, cross pollination did you see so were there let's say codes which you wrote in competitions which you could uh, apply in the work you were doing or or other way so so how did uh, did it help you in your uh, uh, industry work yeah you know it helped uh, it helped quite a lot because uh, because what happens is uh, you know uh, i always say that uh, if you have a nail then you know i and you know only one tool then mm-hmm. you know if you have a hammer and you know only one tool then everything looks like a nail to you mm-hmm. right so kaggle uh, opened up the mind to so many possibilities and so many competitions definitely helped uh, uh, helped in industry as well see because mm-hmm. see i would say that there is a difference between industry and uh, kaggle competitions because in industry uh, you know nobody gives you a ready made data set you have to create the data set on your own Yeah. and one of the most important things is uh, converting the business problem to a data mining problem that's a very important skill set so i touched upon some of this in my talk uh, uh, yeah. in uh, in data hack last year where i said the business problem to data mining problem is very important the mm. choice evaluation metric the yeah. cross validation criteria and then building a very good model and then getting it adopted so so in industry uh, you know what i would say is kaggle helps you to kaggle um, or analytics with you any competition can help yeah. you become an expert in that building a model thing and mm-hmm. then also and also right uh, finding out why some things work and some things don't work because you never overfit a model it's very difficult to explain uh, on a blackboard to somebody what overfitting is so somebody has right. to really overfit a model so mm-hmm. a lot of the modeling mistakes can be avoided in the industry with very good modeling experience mm-hmm. and then uh, and then also when you're exposed to a variety of problems like click through prediction like merck molecular activity amazon employee access music recommendation you know yeah. that uh, there are a variety of uh, you know that the data set if it's in a certain format you can solve it and then you begin to ask those business questions that can convert it to that data set so industry and academy are different mm-hmm. uh, you know uh, sorry industry and kaggle are different uh, but there's a lot of kaggle that can help in the in help in the industry correct correct interesting and uh, and ultimately uh, you know why did you stop uh, participating in kaggle you said you didn't uh, you're, you're not yeah. active so, so around yeah i was i was active till 2014 or so mm-hmm. you know and then uh, then what happened is uh, you know i was also doing this proprietorship for some time on the side and all of that stuff right mm-hmm. uh, so of course letting my company know uh, mm-hmm. during those days uh, it became quite a lot after some time uh, mm-hmm. because uh, uh, because you know i also had a baby at that time i changed a job and then you know kind of it kind of gets boring huh? going on trying these different data sets okay. uh, so 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 how i lost uh, touch during uh, that period sure sure yeah. okay and uh, uh, during this period you also ha- uh, you know uh, have uh, built three patents which you hold in in the us uh, patents yeah. can you tell us a bit about that what what are they about and then how did they come yeah so see one of uh, 
patents, right, which has been granted, has been around ordering the modules in a configurator. So if you ever bought a laptop from Dell.com, mm-hmm. you know, it allows you to, uh, you know, it allows you you to choose configure it on the fly. At least mm-hmm. nowadays they have made uh, uh, laptops less configurable because of supply chain and product issues. But in those yeah. days. You know, laptop was very configurable. You'd come in, click on an order code, and then you know, you say, "I want to buy Inspiron." Then it would say, "Choose your processor, choose your memory, choose your hard drive, Correct. and all of these Correct. things." Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, 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 what happens is uh, that uh, when you show the op, you know, there are multi- multiple options you can show to the user, mm-hmm. and the options can have a certain ordering. For certain users, you need not, uh, you may not want to show like all the options, right? right? Uh, mm-hmm. So there is, it's always like this. So right? the website is like real estate. You know, mm-hmm. uh, like if you look at Bangalore, the prices would be very high in the sky high yeah. for residential properties in Jayanagar, and maybe followed by Koramangala HSR. And then as you go to the outskirts, like Electronic City, etc., it would be much lower. Same in Bombay, everywhere. So mm-hmm. the website, uh, you have limited content, and you know you want to show the content to the user that really matters to him. Because mm-hmm. if you show the right configurations in the right order. Then the conversion would increase and people would buy ups, uh, upgrade more. So the average or the value would be high. So mm-hmm. if you showed every possible option to him, you run two risks. One is that the person would go on clicking and say, hey, you know, uh, I don't want to use this website. They would just log out, in which case you lose conversion. And mm-hmm. sometimes, you know, if you show him 30 options and the option he really wants is 25, he may not really get to 25, which means you lose on the selling price as well. Mm-hmm. So this method... Um, Actually, it was called config rank. So we call that model config rank, and uh, and basically it allows you to order all the options uh, within the configurator. So that's the thing about it. Interesting. Uh, so uh, at that time, what kind of algorithms went into designing something like this? See, most of the algorithms that get used uh, in, the, in the industry, mm-hmm. they're always classification problems. Correct. Usually, most of the time. See, they always say that data mining is classification, prediction, and segmentation. But segmentation is very rarely used, uh, yeah. primarily because the most of the applications for segmentation are in uh, uh, you know demographic data, like you know Hindustan mm-hmm. laborers or somebody who do demographic data. And E-commerce uh, companies also use segmentation. For example, we had built a model at Flipkart mm-hmm. where uh, where what happens is, you know, uh, around 3 or 4% of the people who come to Flipkart, they respond to the survey. So, mm-hmm. for example, you know, everybody gets a post-purchase survey, but mm-hmm. uh, very few people respond to the survey completely. So, people who respond, they respond with their gender, or their annual income, and other kinds of things which are mm-hmm. useful. Yeah. So you can segment people based, for example, on these parameters, but then how do you extrapolate it to the rest of the population? So uh, so typically segmentation use is less in the industry, but largely the use is going to be classification problems. Everybody's interested in these kinds of things, right? Mm-hmm. Who is likely to buy? Who is likely to respond? You know, uh, who is likely to, uh, you know, uh, who is likely to click on an ad? Uh, all these kind of problems and the focus and the revenue and these prediction problems are mostly useful in predicting lifetime value or forecasting other stuff. But but a lot of the problems are classification problems. So in those days, most of the techniques that we would use uh, would be like uh, you know uh, logistic regressions and the tree based models, right? Including mm-hmm. random for, random forest and all these things. So the you know even regularization, right? Even logistic regression regularization was uh, used yeah. in those days. Mm-hmm. Sure, yeah. sure, interesting. And then uh, uh, post Dell, you moved to uh, Amazon and then Flipkart. So, so how were uh, you know the work which you were doing in uh, in various industries, and what was the let's say maturity of data science in these industries? Uh, so, so yeah. what was the diversity of this experience which you saw? 
are you ready for the ai revolution in my discussions with several business leaders i saw they did not know how to prepare their businesses for the changes coming because of ai analytics vidya's ai for business leader course is thoughtfully curated course delivered by experienced instructors from analytics vidya this course helps you understand the disruptions happening from artificial intelligence the building blocks of an ai system and how you can prepare your organization for the future this course will bring out practical case studies and real life examples of various decisions a leader would be expected to take in future because there isn't any programming involved in this course we have an incredible pre-launch offer going on right now head over to trainings.analyticswithya.com and enroll yourself today So my experience has been mostly in the B2C space. So if I look at my 12 years in data sciences, you know, last four years in VMware have been primarily B2B and the other eight years were in B2C. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so when I looked at, the, we look at the data sciences across these organizations, right? See, it's very difficult to classify an organization as advanced or not so advanced in data sciences because typically big organizations have large teams yeah. and then your experience is basically a function of the team that you work in mm-hmm. uh, so it's very difficult to pass judgment on the organization per se sure, sure. but uh, typically uh, what i found is uh, uh, that uh, You, you know, uh, in Dell, if you look at, so I, I would classify these things in the following ways. One is mm-hmm. the advanced advanced techniques that they use in data science. So that'd be one parameter. Mm-hmm. The second parameter that it judges how easily they adopt these kinds of things, right? How easily sure. they adopt it and put it into production. Production. So mm-hmm. if you look at uh, the in uh, in Dell in those days in 2011, 10, 11, 12, so a lot of the data science would be done by the marketing teams, like CR, you know, models for CRM, then you know, scoring lists, etc. Uh, mm-hmm. But on the online space, there'll be like a you know, there there weren't too many models used in those days. It would Correct. mostly be a lot of testing that they would do on the website. So testing mm-hmm. meaning you know, if Kunal visits visits a website i show him a banner yeah. based on his past uh, visitor profile because when you, we have a lot of information about the visitor right like right. what is your technology stack what is the operating system you use what whether you come from a mobile device or you come from a desktop mm-hmm. uh, whether you come uh, from a particular browser whether it is mac os all these things sure. then what you did on an earlier visit all of this stuff so dell i would say in those days was uh, you know was very very advanced in the testing side like on online we had a very strong testing culture but mm-hmm. the marriage of data sciences and uh, the testing had not yet happened so much in those mm-hmm. days Okay. Uh, right uh, now, now, I, now when I talk to people, they always say they're using all these model outputs for testing, which was not the case there. Sure. Amazon, uh, Amazon actually, right? Uh, uh, the way the way they operate uh, mm-hmm. yeah, is, is that uh, you know uh, they, uh, funnily, right? Uh, they don't have such a strong uh, you know testing culture. Uh, you know, I would say, but they have very advanced <laughs> models that are built. Mm-hmm. Very models were built. You see, that's the thing. Uh, that's the thing. Like you know, uh, if you look at the Dell, I would say that Dell would invest a lot more time on, uh, you know, uh, on on actually testing uh, things in website than what Amazon does. Mm-hmm. But Amazon, uh, from a technics perspective, see the way they're organized is different, right? In Dell, what they do, they get all the analysts and data scientists together, and mm-hmm. they form a group and call it the Dell Analytics Group. Sure. Right? That's mm-hmm. what Flipkart also does, right? They get, mm-hmm. they, you know, their organizational structure is also that you get all the analysts and data scientists together and call them as a group. Mm-hmm. The Amazon model is the data scientists and the analysts; they're part of the same, same uh, team. team. So, for example, uh, if there's an engineering team mm-hmm. that is building a product, there could be one or two data scientists in that engineering team doing data sciences. Sure. And there's a person who is uh, uh, who is running, say, you're uh, you're running a particular category, 
sales in Amazon, say, or the head for fashion category, you would have some data scientists on your team. So mm-hmm. the data scientists were, and analytics was not like a shared service. Sure, sure. So, so the third dimension is actually the way they are organized. So Dell is mm-hmm. organized where they have all analysts, analytics and data scientists together. Flipkart is also the similar but mm-hmm. Flipkart ha- also has a separate machine learning group that does a lot of machine learning research on the uh, on the engineering side, gets things into products, and they have uh, and they have these data sciences on the business side as well. So Amazon sure. is different in the way uh, in the way they structure it, and um, mm-hmm. and from a techniques uh, perspective, I know I think they, they they build a lot of advanced models there. Flipkart yeah. also, uh, you know, very very advanced on the techniques side, uh, and uh, you know, on the testing side. Got it. And uh, in your current uh, uh, organization, where you said most of the work which you do is on the B two B side, how are how are things uh, uh, set up in in your current organization? Yeah. So in our current organization, we are similar to the Dell and the Flipkart model, where mm-hmm. you know analytics and data sciences is like a shared service mm-hmm. that is uh, that is offered to different groups. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we follow that model, and then B two B is uh, different from B two C. Yeah. Uh, in a variety of dimensions, like in a in a B two C, for example, people will come to the website and they'll make a purchase decision, like in the next week or in the uh, or, or something like that, right? You wouldn't like go and look at a fashion item for like uh, two months because it go out of fashion. Right. Yeah. So the purchase cycles are longer in B two B, and um, yeah, you know that that is one thing. Uh, where B2C and B2B are different. So B2C, it's much, much easier to test and see the results. For example, yeah. if people are coming to a website, you want to say whether banner one is good or banner two is good, you, you can just run uh, run a control test, A-B test, where or a multivariate test if you're more than two variables, where you show people different content. And uh, it's it's a, it's a buy, it's like basically every person coming in either buys or does not buy. So it becomes like the Bernoulli distribution. You can do a T-test and you can find the results fairly quickly. Yeah. B2B uh, is more challenging because in B2B, to be if somebody comes to your website mm-hmm. uh, you know they're not going to make the purchase immediately so the purchasing mm-hmm. cycle is longer and uh, you know sometimes it can be three to six months for some of our products mm-hmm. and then and, and then you know when people come to the website uh, the purchasing unit is actually a company it's not an individual in b2c it's an individual who makes a purchase or you are you'll be buying or you'll probably be buying for your spouse or spouse is buying for you it's basically yeah. a family that makes a decision whereas here is a company that makes a decision so a lot of complexities are involved uh, in b2b so i would say that from a business problem definition perspective i would say that a b2b has a richer set of uh, business problems to solve than b2c Mm-hmm. Yeah, B2C is easier to test and uh, you know the data scientist gets a feedback on how the models are performing much faster so that's the advantage that uh, there is that in B2C and B2C also typically has uh, you know higher volumes of data than B2B because the B2C you know B2B has digital data it's not like they don't have digital data but not mm-hmm. as many people would visit a B2B website as they would visit a B2C website mm-hmm. so if you look at the sources of big data in B2B they'll they'll be like uh, two types of data one will, of course, be the digital data. Other will be all this uh, product uh, log data because products create logs and that is humongous amount of data. Yeah. Uh, in B2C, the website itself is a tremendous amount of uh, information. So B2C and B2B are different at VMware. We are organized uh, like that Flipkart and Dell where we have a separate group that does data sciences and machine learning and analytics kind of things. And uh, and here, the goals will be fairly similar, which is to generate impact to the business via incremental revenue or cost savings. Mm-hmm. And there are always uh, people uh, trying to target customers and they want to know who are the best customers to go after with what kind of products. So, yeah. so there is a lot of interest for, uh, you know, a lot of uh, demand for this kind of work. Sure, sure. And... Uh... 
in your current role how do you spend your day to day so what are the activities which uh, take uh, more time versus less time and then what what areas do you focus on yeah so uh, so in my current role i actually have two type two kinds of roles in the company mm-hmm. the 90% of my role is the functional role which is mm-hmm. to lead the data sciences uh, center of excellence sure. the other 10% is actually to play a site leader role for enterprise information management which includes mdm business intelligence analytics and data sciences so mm-hmm. i play uh, the, these two types of uh, roles uh, so so i actually uh, you know you know uh, my typical uh, day Uh, you know will involve uh, like a lot of operational activities uh, you know a lot of people management activities a lot of data science project deliveries mm-hmm. uh, you know data sciences uh, techniques brainstorming mm-hmm. and then you know talking to stakeholders uh, sharing with them the results of what the team is doing asking for support where required mm-hmm. you know uh, talking to uh, you know working on the adoption of the models right so so yeah. typically uh, my my day will involve uh, will be a very busy day i i mm-hmm. have uh, i work i have people partners working uh, globally which mm-hmm. includes apj emia and uh, us so i'm typically available almost through the day and mm-hmm. and what i try to do is uh, uh, you know my, my style of management is is more leading from the front uh, with mm-hmm. the team mm-hmm. and is a very hands on kind of leadership so wherever operational stuff is there i try to get that thing automated or mm-hmm. or i have some people on the team who are responsible for that so mm-hmm. that i can uh, spend uh, time on uh, some of the core activities mm-hmm. and on uh, on models also what happens is the way i have structured we have structured structure the team i have like two managers and mm-hmm. uh, and, and the way uh, way it works is right uh, in case uh, in case there's new work that comes that's like very rep- repetitive mm-hmm. uh, then i may probably may not get involved in it but if there's new type of work i know i try to make time for solutioning and trying different kinds of stuff interesting interesting so uh, so few uh, aspects in what you said uh, which i would want to delve deeper uh, uh, the first question is you know how do you go about uh, hiring people in your team because you know uh, as you said cult- building the right culture and uh, making sure that you have a strong team is is very critical so so what are uh, some of the things which you look at the time of uh, hiring yeah so i believe that hiring is the most important part mm-hmm. of a team building because uh, if you have the right people you know uh, it is it's a job well done yeah. right? it's like most of the job uh, well done actually so yeah when i hire people i uh, you know i look at a few important criteria the mm-hmm. first thing what i call is business problem solving skills and analytical ability mm-hmm. so in this business problem solving and analytical ability typically you know uh, we try to find out the ihp of the person Uh, which is intellectual horsepower how well he can uh, solve the problem so we may ask him one or two puzzles mm-hmm. uh, you know we'll see whether he solves the puzzles then we'll give him a business case where mm-hmm. he has to translate where he, where he has to look at that business problem and look at all the scenarios for it for example we may give him a case on a website where the sales are dropping and we may brainstorm like what are the factors that are causing those uh, changes sure. so mm-hmm. business problem solving and analytical ability uh, you know uh, this is basically like an entry round to ensure mm-hmm. the person is has the required capability mm-hmm. but uh, one of the thing is some people sometimes people can be very good in solving puzzles mm-hmm. and they may also have very good business understanding but they may not have uh, the knowledge because you know intelligence alone is not enough you need knowledge as well mm-hmm. and uh, and in order to test the uh, the knowledge we have a data science depth round where we go into the de- where we may ask some questions like write the log loss function mm-hmm. okay 
and then you know how does a logistic regression work mm-hmm. and in a logistic uh, yeah, if you're building a decision tree what is the splitting criteria we may ask all these kind of questions to make sure that the person has an understanding of the data science depth he's able to go back and uh, you know we even give a case sometimes where there's a chance of overfitting we'll try to see if he chooses the right cross validation approach mm-hmm. now why, uh, we tested intelligence we test knowledge now uh, while intelligence and knowledge are both useful unless a person has good programming skills he can't put them into action so there's a programming uh, round as well sure. where he can pick any language i'm not particular the person can pick sas or r or python or whatever as mm-hmm. long as he can write pseudo code yeah Uh, you know i not pseudo code i want to look at actual code mm-hmm. see because i don't believe in this logic that somebody is going to google and then you know write a good model for me it doesn't work mm-hmm. uh, like if i am talking to you kunal right in english uh, and you are talking to me we're not looking at a dictionary and talking to each other right so yeah. people should, should be <laughs> you know it's also say, it's also indication of how, how how hard working the person is and how much he has spent on learning the skills so mm-hmm. the programming round i may ask questions like uh, you know i may give him a 20 row table Mm-hmm. and in the 20 row table i'll make sure that uh, there are two or three buyers in that then mm-hmm. i'll say pick a random sample of 10 uh, rows mm-hmm. right uh, and write the code for that right? if yeah. you're using sas for example you're not allowed to use proc survey select because you know you have mm-hmm. i want you to lo- use a data statement and see how you think then sure. pick a statified sample mm-hmm. and then you know, write a simple code to uh, accomplish uh, the, this uh, gini coefficient or these kinds of things sure. uh, programming in round uh, we, uh, we may also check him on some of the sql stuff because all the data in the world is relational in nature mm-hmm. like you know giving some output of uh, asking to write the output of a inner join or left outer join these kinds mm-hmm. of things sure. then the fourth round will be uh, typically be a technology understanding of analytics mm-hmm. uh, so so here uh, we tested intelligence already in you know in the analytics ability and business problem solving yeah. we tested for knowledge on data science depth we tested for programming mm-hmm. uh, we try to see if he has got an understanding of the ecosystem in which he operates mm-hmm. for example data science doesn't work in isolation it works uh, in sync with uh, many other technologies that are around yeah. and then the final round uh, last round will actually be for culture fit Mm-hmm. you know does it fit into the culture of the organization you know does he follow the epic 2 values that the company believes in sure. uh, you know easy hard working do we see any warning signals for mm-hmm. example you know uh, you know the reasons does he have good enough reasons for leaving does mm-hmm. he have good enough reasons that motivate him for success in this organization so i look mm-hmm. at uh, these five aspects while hiring somebody sure sure and once uh, people are there in your team uh, uh, what kind of things do you do to you know inculcate that culture of doing things hands on and and be uh, on the top so see one of the things is uh, you know it, it's always very difficult to get um, people who are good at all these dimensions already yeah. uh, you know uh, so typically people will be uh, people will meet, uh, we hire people when they meet the bar Mm-hmm. on most of the dimensions mm-hmm. and uh, when they uh, join the company uh, you know the way uh, the way we work is uh, you know there'll be some somebody who is assigned as a mentor to the person mm-hmm. uh, so a person joining my team will have a mentor and then he will get a lot of on the job training like mm-hmm. the first uh, task that will give the person is uh, is on the job training hey there is this propensity model that's already been built we want you to rebuild it Mm-hmm. talking to that person working with that person so you know he has to get in all the accesses required for the data get in all the tools involved learn those programming languages have periodic checkpoints with the mentor and at the end of the period complete that so the first 2 3 months is mostly onboarding 
them all the support during that period we tell them what kind of uh, tools what kind of uh, uh, online trainings to take and other stuff mm-hmm. and then uh, for people already in the system uh, you know we have like regular team meetings or knowledge sharing sessions and then whenever there are outside conferences we encourage the people to attend and participate mm-hmm. and then uh, and then you know uh, we uh, we have a culture in the team where we push the people to constantly challenge the limits like you know if you got a lift of uh, 30x Mm-hmm. uh you know last time can you build a model that takes you to 32x right so sure. so, so pushing that limit you know having uh, having the reward mechanisms in place for people who try out new techniques people that build reusable artifacts people mm-hmm. that uh, generate standards that others can reuse all of this stuff so so you have some sort of internal leaderboards to to kind of uh, motivate people internally no no we don't have internal leaderboards <laughs> yeah you know we don't have internal leaderboards yeah, but yeah. we have a checkpoints so if there are 20 sure. models that are being refreshed mm-hmm. we have quarterly we uh, what we do is see we all we all quarterly the i and the managers we get together mm-hmm. and they look at how well the models perform from a back testing perspective see okay. because mm-hmm. you know the, it's very easy to back test it's very easy to see how a model performed like you know uh, a models are refreshed say quarterly mm-hmm. these code the output of that model is kept in a location right mm-hmm. and then for the next 3 months after 3 months we look back and see how the list performed in the last 3 months yeah. and you know many times uh, we may find that for product a b c uh, you know they perform differently capturing 70 80 and 90% now it's not a scenario where one model captured 70% of the customers in the top decile other one captured 80% last mm-hmm. one captured 90% uh, you know there may be business reasons why 70% was the best product a could uh, could happen in product a maybe there were like uh, very high imbalance like it's a newly launched product lot mm-hmm. of reasons but uh, we do go back and uh, you know uh, look at uh, look at like reasons uh, like why it, uh, you know how it can be improved if x did a model in this quarter give it to y in the next quarter look mm-hmm. for opportunities in improvement mm-hmm. then you know then for the same model people have to do something new like you know they can't just refresh a model and say hey i refreshed a model and now i'm done right so mm-hmm. pushing them to do more this leaderboard sure. kind of uh, concept, concepts and all like uh, in kaggle and all, all of the things you know uh, doing it uh, doing it in a team uh, setting is difficult because you mm-hmm. know uh, i cannot have like three people working refreshing the same model just because yeah. i want to have a leaderboard it's probably <laughs> easier for me yeah. to say hey <laughs> you know i have different people refresh it over time and then compare it or look at your own leaderboard because if you refresh the model in the last 3 quarters you mm-hmm. let's look at your lift numbers internally and see if they've improved so it's easier to have leaderboards for one person than mm-hmm. have leaderboards across okay. you know maybe if you're doing a hack day competition in the company right we mm-hmm. could probably do a leaderboard but mm-hmm. in a team it's difficult sure sure and uh, how do you ensure that people get time to learn some of the new developments in the field so uh, how do they look at research papers and uh, so so how do you make sure that there is constant knowledge flowing in into your team on a regular basis yeah so the way uh, for example the way i have organized my current coe team right uh, i have like uh, i have like a couple of people that are solely focused on the innovation piece mm-hmm. like uh, that uh, you know we are trying to look at for example there have been some things we given back to the community as well for example mm-hmm. we built a package called smart eda that can mm-hmm. automate some of the exploratory analysis we are doing something on automating uh, hyperparameter finding for propensity models because you know many times what happens in companies is that you know somebody built a model with certain hyperparameter the other guy is using that hyperparameter right mm-hmm. uh, so so how can we automate the some of the hyperparameter optimization finding things for example if you're building extreme boosting mm-hmm. what should be the depth of each tree what yeah. should be uh, what should be like the learning rate okay mm-hmm. uh, what should be the criteria on which we we build the tree 
what yeah. should be the row subsampling rate what should be the column subsampling rate all of these things right so we are, we, are, we do these mm-hmm. the way we uh, the way we operate is you know uh, uh, different team members will have a different mix of uh, innovation goals uh, development goals and uh, advisory goals mm-hmm. uh so so they work uh, towards uh, that and then you know we have a reward uh, mechanism in place where uh, where you know people do something new they get rewarded mm-hmm. and then and then also whenever and also you know people uh, we re- whenever there are newer techniques that are coming up in the market we incorporate that into our models mm-hmm. like i remember uh, like a year and a half ago extreme gradient boosting was uh, yeah. like winning all the competition competitions and, uh, <laughs> we, we incorporated extreme boost into our model and we found that extreme boost just give extremely good results mm-hmm. now in the last uh, quarter you know we've tried to incorporate some of this multilayered neural networks into the into the Mm-hmm. uh into into our propensity models and into our other kinds of models so uh, so we ensure that uh, uh, we, we have this mechanism where we constantly keep ourselves updated and mm-hmm. also we try different type of uh, data mining problems as well for example data mining for uh, entity matching right we tried that where we looked at string based features etc mm-hmm. so we constantly try to come up w- with the new techniques and i would say that the process is a little ad hoc because mm-hmm. you know it's all part of our goals and uh, you know uh we try to keep ourselves updated sure sure interesting and uh, you know you have seen a lot of developments happen in the field over the last 5 uh, to 10 years and you have seen that happening in front of your eyes how do you see the next 5 uh, years so so what kind of developments do you see happening in industry how do you think the domain would evolve uh, uh, in the coming time Hi listener computer vision is one of the most intriguing field in machine learning world we are excited to unveil the computer vision using deep learning course at an unbelievable pre-launch offer this course will walk you through some awesome computer vision applications in a hands-on manner so that you can build state of the art computer vision applications enroll yourself on trainings.analyticswithya.com thing that has seen very stark uh, in the last 10 years is that the pace at which this industry moves is phenomenal yeah. like you know uh, in the last 10 years uh, if you look at it uh, you know from a time where analytics itself was a word like hey what is that is it how is it different from reporting mm-hmm. to a time where you know you see learn python programming and learn r programming pasted everywhere in the city <laughs> uh, it, it, it's, a, it's a massive transformation yeah. right Yeah. one is the interest in this field is very high mm-hmm. so i see that interest continuing and right. uh, continuing into the future so a lot of the uh, a lot of the young kids who want to graduate and even uh, in the companies i've had uh, seen so many cases where people come from other departments and say hey i want to get into data sciences how do i get in so mm-hmm. one is there going to be increased interest the second thing that you see uh, in the last 10 years because data mining is always extrapolating the trends right we have to look at the past yeah, okay. uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, other trend has been the advancement in the type of models and the time it takes to run the models yeah so currently uh, you know two or three years back you know uh, random forest could actually do extremely well but in today you know uh, we are changing the paradigm where we're sh- saying that if you have more computing power and you more mm-hmm. data 
you can build better models using deep learning deep and learning. other stuff so mm-hmm. i see that there will be a very strong adoption of deep learning into structured data as well going forward mm-hmm. because uh, currently deep learning has made a lot of advances in image processing uh, you know image recognition in voice etc mm-hmm. some kind of uh, things into text as well with all this uh, word wack and other things that uh, they're trying to do wordnet other th- word uh, they're trying to do mm-hmm. uh, where you know uncle and aunt can also be vectors in space and have some relationship between them you know mm-hmm. so the next thing they'll probably get disintermediated will be the term document matrices because the way we do text mining today mm-hmm. and like uh, you you just put kiran as a yeah. row and all the words is spoke as columns right there's no right. Uh, there's nothing into the context so uh, so i see that there'll be a lot of adoption of uh, deep learning and advanced techniques into the future the mm-hmm. gpus will probably get much cheaper in price and uh, you know people yeah. will do a lot of gpu computing mm-hmm. the third thing that will probably change is going to be uh, which i'm hoping it will is that the increasing pressure on businesses Mm-hmm. to act business readers to actually adopt data mining and artificial intelligence mm-hmm. see uh, you know we all speak a lot about how data mining is going to change the world but if you look at any company right you go to the company headquarters go to oracle headquarters go to microsoft headquarters look at the number of people in leadership roles that are actually data scientists or mm-hmm. machine learning engineers you'll be surprised there aren't too many yeah yeah the the thing is that uh, the businesses can actually uh, are actually running a lot uh, you know you know without you know running a lot without really having a need for these kinds of things so in the past uh, people are all like hey build me an explanatory model and mm-hmm. tell me how it works so most people used linear regression because you could do it in excel probably mm-hmm. you know if it was not possible in excel they wouldn't have used it as much you know <laughs> so logistic regression for example hasn't picked up so much but mm-hmm. uh, you know one of the things that i'll see in future is uh, a lot of emphasis on predictability of models and uh, actually it's a myth that only logistic regression or linear regression is actually predictive some techniques of like random forest can be very predictive as well they yeah. can tell you predict means you can explain the uh, you, you can pro- actually mm-hmm. explain the output of a uh, uh, predictions of a random forest probably easier than uh, that of a linear regression because linear regression is one line in space right yeah. there are so many lines possible when two people how do you say your line is better <laughs> so uh, so the third trend that i will see is that uh, uh, there'll be a increasing uh, you know lot of the uh, lot of the uh, lot of the techniques there also an explanatory component to it where they can explain to the business better and mm-hmm. there'll be a lot of pressure on business to adopt these kinds of uh, technologies mm-hmm. the uh, fourth thing that we will see is that uh, a lot of this proprietary software is simply going to go away like yeah. um, the, the best days of saas like we see mm-hmm. on all these uh, kd nuggets and other surveys are probably behind it the mm-hmm. best days of spss are also uh, are also very much behind this mm-hmm. increasing adoption of open source like r python etc python yeah. is already catching up with r and probably yeah. python will be more popular than r the last yeah. uh, thing that i will solve, will probably see is the machine learning uh, being built into software as apis mm-hmm. uh, you know uh, and that will be the reason for the popularity of python because you can do server programming with it application programming with it yeah, yeah. like also the machine learning in it so mm-hmm. in the next 5 years i see that a lot of things uh, will change mm-hmm. and uh, you know there will be like you know to summarize there will be like uh, more interest in uh, machine learning data sciences a lot of supply coming in then mm-hmm. uh, hopefully the supply will be good supply mm-hmm. then a uh, lot of this open source technology adoption mm-hmm. uh, you know it's already very high it will get probably get better and better increased mm-hmm. pressure on businesses to adopt ml so if you're a business leader you need to know some ml and for data scientists it will probably mean that uh, you know you can't say that i'm doing something complicated but you should yeah. be able to prove the results by a control mm-hmm. test or otherwise mm-hmm. and um, there'll be a lot of uh, uh, python and you know putting all this data mining into software as we go forward Yeah yeah
yeah uh, true true uh so one of the uh, questions so so uh, assuming that you know let's say you were uh, starting your career today so you you were uh, you just passed out of your mba college and you are now looking at uh, uh, which field to enter so what are some of the ways you would shape your career if you were passing out today uh, versus you know how how uh, it came along in the last uh, 10 15 years so one of the things that i would say is for for anybody uh, who is trying to pick up machine learning and other stuff you need to be good in programming because mm-hmm. if you're not good in programming you can't do anything that's mm-hmm. that's the <laughs> truth of it yeah. right right so somebody looking to graduate you know has not learned any language should mm-hmm. probably learn python yeah uh, and learn python really well mm-hmm. all right uh, because unless you know the language well see for example uh, let's say you want to learn uh, you want to you want to write your own code for a neural network mm-hmm. unless you know numpy well you understand mm-hmm. array as well and you can write code on top of your mind you're not going to write uh, do anything good so first thing i always say is pick a programming language and know it really well okay. so unless you know something really well it's not mm-hmm. useful and uh, that should be the first thing right learn some mm-hmm. programming language really well second is pick uh, you know pick like see uh, to know machine learning really well probably if you know two techniques uh, which is regularized logistic regression Mm-hmm. and then uh, if you know a tree based technique because logistic regression is also a type of neural network right mm-hmm. so uh, and then if you know if you know a tree based technique uh, so so i would say that learn programming well uh, and then learn some of these data science fundamentals well there are a lot of courses uh, that are very good in this area there are a lot of courses on coursera then companies such as analytics vidya also have come up with a lot of uh, courses that are tailor made for students so pick those mm-hmm. courses up Mm-hmm. and um, and then you know have a good strong uh, fundamental base for data sciences and mm-hmm. third thing is also you know uh, develop your debugging skills a lot because mm-hmm. unless you can debug well you can't really get anything going uh, so the debugging attitude is uh, required mm-hmm. where you don't give up and you try different things because one of the disadvantages also in the in the modern uh, data science world is you can the interface to call any uh, interface to call any algorithm is the same the way you call we nar for example a random forest it returns you an object you call predict on it you get your predictions mm-hmm. so you know the <laughs> gm net gives you a prediction so many times you know people will see all these things as black boxes that they'll mm-hmm. say hey, i ran a support vector machine uh, you know but but really you know pushing for the last mile optimization it comes as a part of debugging where you're mm-hmm. trying to say can i build the model better because mm-hmm. the same uh, let's take random forest out but uh, if you take any technique like xgboost based on how you tune your hyperparameters you get varying results Yeah. right even in a, so so you know are you doing your own cross validation and trying to see uh, trying to see if uh, you're improving the results then you know mm-hmm. participating in kaggle competitions or analytics with your competitions i would mm-hmm. say is, is very good so i would say start with the programming language mm-hmm. get your data science uh, fundamentals right you know mm-hmm. and uh, and the third is don't see all these things as black boxes where you know everything is automated you click some button and the model comes over right mm-hmm. <laughs> so rather mm-hmm. look at it as a last mile optimization problem mm-hmm. and then you know uh, and then build a large number of models mm-hmm. and uh, when you build a model also continually ask yourself the question like how is it going to be adopted so don't view it as a model where somebody is giving me a data and i'm giving an output but mm-hmm. question to see hey how is somebody else going to use it is it going to be part of a larger software system in which case the data science model and building has to take some inputs and all give some outputs for it to be consumed uh, or other way to look at it is uh, you know uh, if somebody is using my list how do i measure the success in the real world and see whether my validation set was any good because if you have a wrong validation set you have a wrong validation set right so uh, so you know all of these things uh, 
you know you know and there are a lot of interesting problems you can apply it to and i would advise younger people uh, mm-hmm. to actually uh, you know along with data sciences develop some complementary skills like develop complementary skills like web development mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. or or application software development because uh, as a data scientist the uh, sad part of a data scientist with no skills in web development is that your output is a csv file <laughs> right and, and then you know what yeah. are you going to do with the csv file so if you're a young guy uh, thinking of building a product you can't build a product with a csv file you need mm-hmm. complementary skills so mm-hmm. i think having complementary software development skills along with data science skills will be a huge asset that companies will look forward to mm-hmm. uh, you know uh, because uh, because like i said uh, you know even if somebody wants to uh, do a college project to build a product you know uh, just uh, knowing how to run a logistic regression is not going to help him so look mm-hmm. at things in totality develop a large number of complementary skills and for advanced people i would say don't limit yourself to one language learn python learn r learn uh, learn multiple languages uh, mm-hmm. because only when you know multiple things right uh, you know yeah. uh, you, you will probably will integrate them well and you know try to apply them to new domains a lot mm-hmm. of open source data sets available so try yeah. them yeah sure sure thanks thanks kiran uh, uh for those uh, you know insights and and uh, 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 yeah i truly believe whatever you have said in terms of shaping up the career uh, it's it's uh, the way people should kind of shape it up and then the emphasis on programming languages uh, is really critical uh the last few minutes i just want to do a, a you know a rapid fire round where i would just ask questions and whatever comes to your mind is the first thing uh, you, you can just say that out okay uh, so uh, if you were not a data scientist what would you be i would uh, probably uh, be be doing some role which involved me to work with data so probably i would do something in finance it's financial analyst or something yeah. <laughs> <laughs> equity research analyst probably yeah uh, okay and which resources do you use for keeping yourself up to up to date on a regular basis yeah i i try a lot of this medium.com i found that in medium.com there are a lot of uh, articles that come up on data sciences mm-hmm. i also visit uh, uh, kd nuggets and uh, also Uh, see analytics with you sometimes sure and uh, tell us a, a time when you were surprised by an application of data science one uh, place where i really found it very useful mm-hmm. was an entity matching project that we did in our company mm-hmm. where we had a lot of duplicate records and okay. uh, the features that we used to match these duplicate records were all based off string matching and mm-hmm. when we and i was very surprised by the kind of accuracy we got because mm-hmm. when we started the project i didn't believe that we could automate uh, 50% of the ft work on that using data science wow. okay interesting and uh, finally uh, how do does your typical weekend look like so so what are some of the things you do outside your work okay so i like to travel go on long drives so mm-hmm. i and my family we go on long drives i spend a lot of time with my son mm-hmm. and, uh, and 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 actually data mining is also my hobby so <laughs> so you know i also do some machine learning on the weekend like trying out my own algorithms so okay. yeah so it's also a hobby for me interesting interesting and and uh, just out of my personal interest how old is your son now my son is 3 uh, years and 2 months old okay and then when is he learning programming <laughs> actually you know uh, yeah, he keeps uh, saying he wants to be an engineer my wife is a neurologist i tell him you know uh, that, that probably you know if you're a doctor you don't have to keep yourself as updated as your dad does so <laughs> you know it's better to be a doctor <laughs> okay interesting great great thanks thanks kiran for your time it was great 
okay it sounds good kunal uh, and uh, you know great to see you doing so much for the community so keep up the great work sure sure thanks thanks a lot kiran and i'll see you uh, obviously at data hack summit great chatting with you sure thanks thanks kiran thanks for thanks. your time